0: You know, like, uh, is the 90s SNL really that much funnier than it is right now? Well, yes, Um, (laughs) because right now it is particularly bad, but. (laughs)
1: Another episode of the McGuffin podcast, the movie review podcast that dreams are made of. Uh, a noir reference. Welcome to Noir Vember. We're not talking about film noirs this episode, but yeah. um <laughs> uh it is a uh that's sort of the aesthetic of the McGuffin, which I guess we've never actually talked about the parent website for which we do a podcast all that much. <laughs> um uh, they're very cool guys. It's a movie website. I mean, if for whatever reason you're listening to this podcast and you don't know about the MacGuffin website, I always recommend it at the end of the show. But they're based out of Seattle. Spencer and uh, Alan and those guys up there have been working for the Seattle International Film Festival since forever. Um, and uh, we were doing this uh, as Jabber and the Drone a while ago. And um, I had been writing for them for a while. So I said, hey, let's... You know, peanut butter jelly. This peanut butter jelly time.
0: Let's <laughs> merge the brands.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, how are you? I'm good. My oh. name
0: is Keith Foster. Uh, you are Cassidy Robinson. Just so people know who we are.
1: Yes, rambling out of the gate <laughs> with
0: complete nonsense. It's good. It's not nonsense. It's it's good to <laughs> get, good to throw them a shout out. Um, yes.
1: Figure we should. And at some point, eventually, I would like to have some MacGuffin staff writers on the show. Not as many as there used to be. I think Alan pretty much does the bulk of the written reviews now. Um, But yeah, at some point, we'll have him on to talk to us about this. Um, And always check their website for their reviews, because they generally review the same movies we do. In Mm. fact, usually they review them sooner than we do, because they have access to screeners and stuff. Yeah. Um, And their opinions don't always reflect ours. I mean, for the most part, we're within... Because they do grade averages, too. We're usually within a a grade plus or minus. So we're not way off. But there have been some times where their opinions divert greatly from that of the podcast.
0: It's true. Also, like... Just so the listeners know, like you have a, a fucking masters in film criticism, and I'm just a dumb dumb who watches movies. <laughs>
1: That's uh, the so dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: you know, I took a couple film classes that yeah. I enjoyed and stuff. So I'm. Uh, uh,
1: here's here's the deep dark secret about film scholarship. You really don't need to go to film school to obtain most of the knowledge that I have. Um, I started at the uh the special features to Pulp fiction where Quinn Tarantino was talking on the the uh oh what was his name? Something rose, the interview program that ran for years. anyways, he was doing he was doing the he was doing that interview right off of uh, Pulp fiction and he name dropped like a gazillion directors and my twenty two year old brain just went and, you know, started illegally downloading all the movies by said directors so i could know as much as quentin tarantino
0: i mean that's i honestly that's kind of like college is such a fucking scam
1: (laughs) yeah don't do that especially now like how stupid was i
0: with youtube with and you know you can't trust everything but like right I, i okay It's good to like go for a couple years just so you can kind of learn critical thinking and you can learn to suss out the bullshit, but you really don't need a degree to learn about a thing.
1: Right. If you want, if you're really interested in something, especially something in the liberal arts, um, because obviously STEM. And sciences, and you know, to be a doctor, you pretty, you, you really probably should go. <laughs> yes, <laughs> to
0: be a, uh, also anything that I think welder like, requires. Yeah, like electricity, or like I mean, yeah. you could probably learn some of that stuff, but it'd probably save you a lot of time to go to school. If you but, like my fucking theater degree, like hasn't done shit for me, and I don't remember <laughs> shit about shit. Uh, you know, like I can tell you everything about the history of comedy. Uh, which we did not
1: learn in class, so... Right. So this is us fully endorsing not going to college.
0: (laughs) You know what? I might endorse it if it didn't uh, cost $80,000 for a degree that puts you on the bare minimum level playing field. (laughs) Right.
1: Uh, This episode, we're talking about the Borat sequel, Borat, the subsequent movie film. And at the end of the podcast, uh, for the streaming homework, we'll be talking about... The Simpsons movie, which I had somehow never seen, um, and you assigned to me, streaming on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Yes, D plus. Uh, I think that might have been the first Disney Plus um, recommendation we've given on the program, but um, that's true
0: because there's there uh, at least as of yet there's not a whole lot of like original Disney content, so unless we're just like. Mm-hmm. Going through the vault.
1: Um, right. Well, know. they have a lot of like the animation and stuff, but it, yeah. it, most people have seen all of that. So, but somehow for one other reason or another, I had not seen the Simpsons movie. So we'll be talking about that at the end of the program. Um, before we get into that, I did want to say a little RIP for Sean Connery.
0: Yes. in peace. We,
1: we lost him. Um, and weirdly ironic, given the. SNL sketch, also Alex Trebek. I know.
0: Yeah. I I mean, they they both had really good runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Connery was in his nineties, right?
1: Um, yeah, I think the last film he did it was League of was League of Gentlemen. Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. yeah, which that's that's unfortunate. But... Well,
0: I, I mean, you know, he had such a good career up to that point, and that was so disappointing. I feel like. It makes sense, just like if if you feel like you're it just not in anymore, just retire. And you know he got to live out a good uh, a long time in retirement. And um,
1: yeah, he got out when the getting was good. I'm kind of waiting for the same thing with with Gene Hackman because we haven't seen him in a film in a long time.
0: I mean, it might he might have it might be a thing, and he just hasn't said anything like. I I don't know. Um but yeah. yeah, it's it's true. But yeah, uh both Sean Connery and Alex Trebek uh with the weird connection of the SNL celebrity jeopardy
1: sketch. Right. Do you have a favorite uh Sean Connery gem?
0: Oh, yeah, uh okay, I've I kind of have two. Um by far my favorite Sean Connery performance is uh, and favorite Indiana Jones movie is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah. Um, I think he has really good chemistry with Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Um, the character's really well written. They they both have a lot of... Uh, they both have, I think, a good amount of dramatic stuff mixed with, like, fun interaction. I, I just think it's overall great performance. Um, to me, that is, like... The Sean Connery performance that seared into my brain um, with honorable mention uh, for doing the voice of Draco in Dragonheart.
1: <laughs> a movie that somehow comes up all the time on this podcast.
0: It's a great um, movie. I, it, it, I mean, it was around before uh, fantasy was like a bankable thing. It's true before that they they really big special effects big special yeah. effects
1: movie at the time yeah
0: yeah and and they managed to allocate the budget for this weird like original script uh with this holy uh, totally weird original like dragon mythology stuff mm-hmm. uh but they you know managed to secure a budget to To serve the script well and make the dragon look believable and stuff. So I think, uh, you know, I think that is a a, a little hidden gem. And Sean Connery, I think, brings a lot of uh, life to a a dragon puppet. Yeah, and Dennis Quaid when he had
1: a pulse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, I guess for mine, um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Time Bandits is worth Ooh. seeing if you haven't before. Yeah. He plays King Agamemnon. That is um, a good one.
0: It's been a long time since I've seen that.
1: Yeah. It's an old Terry Gilliam flick. It's super weird. Uh, Pretty funny. Yeah. Really decent. Um, I, I liked him in that. And then maybe not the coolest answer, but I think he's a lot of fun in it and he's having a lot of fun in it. Because Sean Connery, when he... Wants to chew up the scenery, he does.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah.
1: I love him in The Rock.
0: Yeah. He's fucking
1: great in The Rock. He,
0: that, yeah. That, like, kind of era of Sean Connery is, like, that's just... Yeah, his second wind. He was in my brain. Um. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, like, I... Pierce
1: the distinguished... Pierce was
0: my first Bond. Right. Um, you know, so I didn't see some of the other Bond movies until later, which, again, he's... You know, I mean, he brought life to that character. He he yeah. defined what James Bond could sort of be um, right. on film. Uh, A Scottish you
1: know. Englishman. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but you know, he, he he had that like that sixties cool that Bond yeah. needed. Um, yeah, yeah. So it is. It's very sad. Um, not
1: not totally surprising,
0: but yeah.
1: But, yeah, I think, uh, you know, he'll be missed. R.I.P. Do you ever hear that story, uh, that crazy casting story, that he was, like, this close to getting the role of Morpheus in the Matrix? Uh,
0: yeah, so uh, supposedly he passed on both the Matrix uh-huh. and uh, Lord of the Rings. I, I believe he was uh, possible for Gandalf or, or uh, maybe Elrond. Mm-hmm. Um, he passed on both. Uh, because he didn't get he like just didn't get the scripts he, he didn't just understand didn't it yeah understand them and then that's supposedly why he took league of extraordinary gentlemen because he, he just was like he didn't want to pass on the next franchise yeah he didn't want the like, next big thing yeah and so unfortunately that was you know that was history and he's mm-hmm. not bad in league of extraordinary gentlemen it's just a trash movie
1: right yeah he's just kind of this performance is kind of constipated between all of that special effects and costume nonsense drama and stuff. Just going absolute
0: on. nonsense. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. So there you go. There's that. I I also wanted to remind folks that uh, in the month of November, um, Barnes and Noble is doing their fifty uh, percent off Criterion sale. So from now to the end of November you can buy any Criterion film for 50% off. And I'm looking over here, I don't we we're not sponsored by Barnes and Noble, that'd be great. Yeah. But Or Criterion. But <laughs> I'm looking over here at stuff I I would pick up. Is there anything Well, Criterion just released their edition of Parasite, the new Bong Joon-ho film one no. best picture i will definitely be picking that up
0: i i heard a rumor that they might be releasing a, an edition of um near dark which would be super cool but um
1: so I don't know. Uh, that doesn't sound real to me it could be weirder well, things have okay. happened
0: but here here hear, hear me out that's uh, more of so- a scream
1: factory kind of a release but I
0: was searching for Near Dark, um, because for It's out of print
1: right now, right?
0: Yeah. For the yeah. month of uh October I was doing this vampire kick and like I couldn't find it, so I ended up like buying a Korean knockoff DVD off of eBay for not super expensive.
1: All region, I hope.
0: Uh yeah, it was. And it was okay. just DVD too. So um Right. It was it would have been fine if it didn't work or whatever. But uh criterion's streaming channel actually was streaming near dark earlier this year like in april or may or something and so
1: oh, that's that led a lot
0: of people to think like well hopefully they're working on, a, on an edition um
1: yeah when it's a big release like that especially something that hasn't been in print for a while or they think they can make money off of they'll usually tease it out in little ways like that like you know, they'll, they'll put Easter eggs on their Instagram and stuff and people will be like, oh, like that's how everyone knew they were going to release that big uh, Godzilla box set. Yeah. It's because they were teasing it out like for half a year before they're like, yeah, we're putting out like the first 13 Godzilla films, like which is that. also a great uh, choice. The best thing to do on these 50% off sales are the box sets because they're hella expensive usually. Is that the, the- – Big one with
0: all the like poster art and stuff. Yeah, yeah it's, actually, it's all
1: I, the uh, Toho films.
0: Yeah, I actually I ended up uh, getting that for my wife for Christmas. Wow, oh,
1: that's a good that's a it's, good gift.
0: It's a really cool. Um, it's huge though. Like it is like coffee book size or like coffee table book size. Oh
1: yeah, it's it's going to take up some shelf space for sure. Yeah. Um, I would also I might be interested in getting the Before trilogy because it's usually I think up around. 80 to 90 dollars, so I could get that for maybe like 40 to 50, which is a lot more manageable. Um, I should just
0: bite the bullet and do some of these Akira Kurosawa's. A lot of them I have like only the um, like on DVD and stuff, but I, I, so Criterion Mm -hmm. is like the only um, non steelbook editions I'll buy of stuff anymore,
1: right? And I keep mine separate from everything else anyway, but. Yeah, go for the box sets. I think I think there's a good. There might be a Kurosawa box set. I'm there not sure. Is, yeah. I know there's a there's an Ingmar Bergman one that's very comprehensive, and it's usually like 200 bucks or something. So that might be a choice too. So if anyone's listening
0: to this uh, uh, who wants to surprise us with some weird Christmas gifts, <laughs> uh, check out that Criterion sale right now. <laughs>
1: yeah, let's start. Let's go in on these movies. And let's start talking about the Borat sequel, uh, Borat, the subsequent movie film. That's that's not the full title. I know it has one of those, like, ridiculous, like, Alanis Morissette-length titles. I I thought that was the... I thought... thought No, I think that's the shortened version, actually. Oh, okay. It's one of those things. Uh, but I'll let you go ahead and describe it. Yeah, this is the full title. Borat Subsequent Movie Film, Delivery of Prodigious Bribe to American Regime to Make Benefit for Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan.
0: I mean, that's <laughs> a pretty good summation uh, right there. So in the years since uh, the original Borat came out in what, like 2006,
1: 2005? Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. <clears throat> you know, another mockumentary Sort of found or not found footage, but uh, like hidden camera, hidden camera kind of pranky thing where Sasha Baron Cohen reprises his role as Borat. Um, after the movie came out, um, it was such a big success that it made Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan, mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so the village that he comes from uh, was felt that they were made a laughing stock of, so uh, he was imprisoned um and they release him to take a uh because he knows america to take a bribe to uh mike pence of this uh famous chimpanzee Kazakhstan (laughs) chimpanzee so he goes to america again to deliver this bribe to the trump administration and and he is followed by his daughter And due to hijinks, he has to, he decides that he has to present his daughter as a bride to Mike Pence. So the majority of the movie is like. As like a
1: 15 year old child bride.
0: Yeah. Is uh, making her American as as like an acceptable um, American woman bride.
1: (laughs) Right. And prior to to uh stowing away and joining borat on his adventure she had essentially grown up in a cage her whole life in a barn
0: yes yeah but she yeah uh and also also one of the the big things is because borat was such a hit and the character is so well known a lot of the uh Conceit of this movie is Borat has to wear like costumes so that he can't be so he's wearing a costume over his costume. Yes, uh, which he's
1: Borat. It's sasha Baron Cohen playing Borat in disguise. So there's kind of a a a disguise within a disguise going on. Which, yeah, I think the 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 problem not I don't know the problem, but the dilemma that sasha Baron Cohen has run into with his with his career and the way that he does comedy. Um, oh, you know, he'd been doing the Ali G show for years before Borat came out. Well, a lot of these characters, like Bruno and Borat, came from segments from the Ali G show. Yeah. Um, but that was a British show. Had a little bit of airplay on HBO, but for the most part, it, yeah, it, was it huge. wasn't
0: super well known here. in no, the No, it state. was a it, cult it comedy. Like, yeah, but Borat yeah. was a bona fide fucking huge pop culture hit. phenomenon.
1: So he could really only get away with this so many times.
0: Um, yeah, and Bruno looks very different, um, right? And, and is a very different sort of
1: kind of character. vibe. Um, yeah, so
0: I can see why you know he could still sort of fool people with that one. Right. Whereas Borat is like, well, you know, because so much of the conceit of these movies is, uh, you know, yeah, tricking people and you know, like the, um, sort of yeah. like gotcha prank stuff and and like you know setting people up to say stupid stuff and setting people up to be racist Uh, i mean they you know they do that on their own but
1: uh right he kind of he kind of gives them enough rope basically is the is his is his approach to yeah with which is the thing about sasha baron cohen that i think is really interesting as a comedian is that he's very bowdy and uh scatological like, he has no problem doing, like, a dick and fart joke or a balls joke or a bloody period joke or whatever it might be. He'll go right there and, go, yeah. you know, go as low and as then, possible. Th- and those are
0: in here. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so all,
1: all of the above. All the body fluids are represented. Um, and then he'll all but, – but there's – on top of it, there's this kind of higher-minded satirical edge that's going on about – and this kind of bigger commentary that he's sort of getting from his subjects.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, um,
1: so I mean and a, it's it's an interesting tension between those things in his comedy one of the re- and then of course on top of that he is at heart a character comedian who in the in the vein of like a Peter Sellers or what have you or so, Andy Kaufman or yeah. um uh Exactly. So there's he he's, I think he's a brilliant comedian and I think I, um yes, he with you. some I of think- the best captured stuff in comedy film in the last uh 20 years or so but i I can see how like every time he goes back to this well this is getting harder and harder for him to do and of course he did that movie the dictator that came out or not that was that what it was called the dictator
0: which yeah that one was fully that was
1: yeah that was fully narrative film there was no hidden camera stuff in that i think that might have had a scene or something just as a callback but um that was his his attempt at being like okay can i you know let go of the of the shtick and and see if I can just do narrative and people will still go with it. The answer is not really.
0: So um, I think um, I, what's interesting to me about Sasha Baron Cohen is his style of comedy is is the definition of grotesque. It's mm-hmm. um, uh, like you know taking stuff you know ob- observations he sees and in uh, and highlighting the the ugly parts the the stupid parts the the parts that normally people shy away from and highlighting it to the point of being you know really funny um and it's yeah, it's a not complete
1: disregard for polite society
0: and, and yeah and I mean grotesque comedy like it used that that used to be a definition for comedy um mm-hmm. uh like when we you know if we're going back to like the Greeks and stuff uh and So I think it's interesting that he's kind of the only one who does that right now. Like, you know, a lot of people do satire. A lot of people do, uh, especially during the Trump years, a lot of people try to do satire. Um, A lot of people A lot less people should. Yeah. A lot of people (laughs) do absurdist stuff. You know, a lot of people are are witty. Um, But he is one of the few comedians that I can think of that is genuinely grotesque. And I don't mean that in like, I, I, in a pejorative. I mean that as like As like a generally that's a yeah. yeah, that's a style of comedy he's doing. So back to this particular Sasha Baron Cohen movie.
1: Well, the reason I brought that up um it, you know about him kind of going back doing this over and over again and now he has to figure out more and clever clever ways to pull it off. Yeah. Um is because I I think you can see from the first Borat uh, certainly from the Allergy Show, which were just segments. You can go and watch those on YouTube, and I highly recommend it that you do. Um, and, and then. It's probably on HBO Max, too, if you have. It that. probably is, yeah. Uh, but, you know, from that to the first Borat film, which he introduces a narrative into these segments where he films with people um, on the street. And then to Bruno to this, you're seeing more and more narrative come in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's chiseling away a little bit more at the, at the, uh, we call we're saying hidden camera, but it's not really hidden camera because the film crews are there. He's just,
0: Yeah, um, it's, it's more, uh, almost mockumentary style, but it's also, it's like, it's like a weird mix of mockumentary and gotcha and, journalism. And prank, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and, yeah, it's, it's, a. Uh, you know, it's his own thing, but we're seeing now, and especially this film, I think if you compare it to the first Borat film, there's less reliance on the on the uh, the gotcha stuff, well, and more yeah, so- and more of there's actually like a pretty thorough character arc between him and his daughter, and this like relationship between them, and sort of a road comedy that yeah, occurs. So I
0: I think that. Was kind of a game changer for Borat, and I think he 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 needed this other character uh, because he's so recognizable. Right, and because you know, like the costume with a costume shtick, I think would have only carried the movie so far. So far, yeah. I think he really needed uh, that, like kind of comedic partner. In the first Borat, he does have his like producer or whatever. Yeah, um, but it's it's much it's much less. Uh, a driving force for the narrative of the movie. Whereas this, you know, there's a lot of scenes like just between the two of them that are developing the characters and and uh, building tension in a way that doesn't rely on a, a third party or an outside like yeah. sort of, oh my God, I can't believe he pulled that off kind of
1: thing. Now, the pranks, I think, inform the narrative and I'm sure yeah. that they're, they were writing and rewriting as they were filming, based upon what happens. Yeah, because they, you don't have guaranteed outcomes with these things. Um, but they were a- within that; they're able to craft a pretty solid, you know, three act deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should well, say th- that I the actress who plays his daughter is named Maria uh, Bakalova, and she's really good in this. She, really, and really she's funny. So
0: she is so game for like all of being it. as. Uh, uh like they make her you know so ugly at the beginning and like and some of her bits are i think some of the funniest and yeah. like and so disgusting but also hilarious like there right. there's sequences where you know we were like literally like had to turn away from the screen cuz it's like oh my god i can't believe they did that and and you want that from a borat movie from a sasha baron Cohen movie like yeah you're kind of there is this weird expectation of like how's he going to outdo himself? how's he going to All right. raise the stakes from from what he's done before and and I do think that this movie works without that and and I think the story that they introduce is a good call because it 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 takes that tension away of like, what ridiculous stuff are they going to pull off? And that just feels more like a treat, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. And did you ever... I watched an interview with her um, and Sasha. And they talked about um, the in, the uh, auditioning process for that role. And it, oh, no. um, she was an unknown, essentially. And I guess it was a pretty strenuous uh, audition. Because first she had to do like a chemistry test with him. You sure, know, just... Yeah improvising and being able to stay in character and, you know, totally coming yeah. up with stuff on the fly, blah, blah, blah. And then they had to do another audition where they went out on the street and convince people that she is whoever she's saying she is that this character and uh, to see if she can, she won't crack.
0: I mean, that make that makes a lot of sense, you know, yeah. because for a normal role, all you have to worry about is sort of, you know, like you're, yeah, there's no take your, two your, here. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I mean,
1: I okay. On some to of a certain
0: stuff. extent, there's some stuff that they definitely got to get in the one shot. But you know,
1: I'm yeah. sure there's a lot that hits the cutting room floor in these kind of movies. Too. Oh, I bet there's a ton. I know. Like, I went and looked at what was real and what wasn't because yeah. there's some of these subjects. I won't call them actors exactly, but there's some of these subjects that become characters. That I'm like, how is this person not written? Because they're so perfect for the narrative. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like there's this babysitter character, this this elderly black woman. Oh my god. Woman, she, oh, the best please, person alive. Yeah, please don't <laughs> tell me she was
0: in on it. Because she, like, oh my god. We were just,
1: heartwarming. Like we were watching
0: the movie and we were like, it's it's not often in these movies that you see someone that you're just like, oh, fuck, yes, like, I'm so glad
1: that this person exists. Right. And what I'll, I'll say, I don't want to spoil it too much, but what I'll say is more of this, these people that we, especially the longer, or characters that are in the movie longer, more of them are real than you would think. Certainly more than I th- would think. Interesting. Okay, um, all right. Because especially, like, in certain sequences, there's coverage And that's when I started getting suspicious when there's over the shoulder shots and shot reverse shot and stuff like that. I'm like, those are angles, which means you have to do multiple takes to get angles. And the only thing that I can come up with was some of them where, you know, like specifically there's a sequence, a pretty long sequence in the film, a good chunk, where Borat's in America when the pandemic hits. uh, And he goes to live with these like QAnon rednecks for like five days. And I thought for sure these are actors because there's no way they could get this amount of footage, no way that they they could push story this well. Um, But apparently- I I, I was
0: convinced they were real because they, the way they talked, I I feel like as an actor and, you know, I'm sure that they, you know, screen them and and get really quality actors and stuff. But I think that type of- character is very hard to portray uh realistically mm-hmm. because i think the temptation is too strong to um uh make it a caricature right and and these guys are they seemed legit to me yeah if which, you
1: come from flyover america you know these guys yeah, yeah. um and uh yeah they they were they were real and i guess he that whole time he was living with them he had to stay in character for five days the that's only insane. time he was out of character was when he would go to his room, that's, and that's pretty nuts. That's that's commitment. Yeah. Uh,
0: um, also, I mean, that is a long sequence, but it's not even that integral So the to, to
1: No, the story. they use they it, they eventually kind of montage most of that, and there's some key like pieces of dialogue that push yeah, story.
0: Mean, I mean, it definitely builds the story, but like could have come up with other stuff. That that's that's, yeah.
1: that's nuts. That, but that's yeah. kind of the thing with documentary filmmaking, as opposed yeah. to narrative filmmaking, is you don't really know where the story is. So the, I'm sure when that's they were true. filming it and the pandemic, and they're like, "Fuck, we can't leave." Like, who knows what we can actually, how we're going to do this movie? So them and the camera crew who are living in this house with this with these guys are probably like, well, "What if the story is about us living with rednecks during a quarantine?" That's a yeah. story. Well, so they yeah, probably let's just it, stayed. Let's make it work. Yeah and
0: and I mean here's the thing I'm glad they did and and again I think that's just kind of the testament to Sasha Baron Cohen's genius is like right. stay in character for five fucking days let's let's do this <laughs> let's see what we get and they get some gold I mean right that's one of the funniest chunks of the movie I think
1: <laughs> right right and the way it wraps up of course now I remember him at the rally the gun rally doing the like hillbilly song guy I remember that hitting the news during the summer that Sasha Baron Cohen was at this thing and he kept singing the song and it kept escalating and getting more and more ridiculous. And then eventually he was chased out. I remember that being a news piece. And a lot of people thought it was for his second season for that. uh, This is America show or whatever that was called on HBO. Um, But lo and behold, it was it was for this film. But yeah. So all, all I'm saying with all this is that I would guess because I talked about coverage, I would guess that they probably get what they get, mm-hmm. and then they might stage certain things for angles. Yeah, that's like, probably true. Like and if it's just like- a hand or a uh, or a uh, setting or something like that, they just need another angle or something. They could probably fake some of that.
0: Well, and and you can do that under the guise of a documentary. You can do that without giving away – the game you know right. you can be like that was great we just need you to uh say that again for you know clear into the camera or whatever yeah, like
1: or we didn't get that quite well enough can you say can let's yeah yeah i, I mean, mean even a lot of actual documentarians do that i know exactly like, so that's not that unheard of yeah.
0: crazy to me um yeah i mean i i think another problem sasha barricot has is um I guess it's kind of the same problem we already addressed but because he's so famous, you know, if he does a thing like the Trump rally, it's going to make the news. Uh if you I don't
1: had, think that's a problem for him. That's free advertising.
0: I well, well, I think it's a problem in the case of like um the Rudy Giuliani thing. Uh right. that was big news. It's still kind of big news and Yeah. And that, I mean not to give away too many spoilers but that i that's kind of the climax of the whole movie (laughs) yeah um so i was kind of annoyed as a movie watcher um being like oh i know where this is going uh ashley had no idea and
1: um well that's good
0: and she actually viewed it from a very different lens not being informed by the the sort of media narrative that surrounded it which is interesting to me
1: no it I I thought so too. Yeah, I I mean, it's a pretty wild scene. But I like I said, I think yeah, even if it gives away some story or whatever, it, he was probably a little annoyed by that. But ultimately, that that couldn't have hit at a better time because that was right before the movie got released. Yeah, it it pretty right much launched it. Yeah, yeah. like uh, that's he's always sort of marketed his films with these stories of lawsuits and death threats, and you know, it's yeah, that's true you know, it's a big part of his circus is, is what he got away with and what he almost got killed for. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And uh, ultimately we ended up watching this on election night because we couldn't handle watching like news coverage (laughs) and stuff. Um, And I highly recommend.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's, I really like this one. I'm going to say, I think I like the, first Borat a little bit more i just think it it's a there's a little bit more impact with this thing the first time around than there is the second Mm -hmm. um i think i might even like bruno a little bit more which is a lot of a lot of people have mixed feelings about that film but i think that there's sharper segments in that um
0: i I guess if we're rating them because it it is hard to kind of give this a letter grade because it's it's Sasha Baron Cohen and it's like he does sort of his own thing and there's not a lot to compare that to I'm strictly
1: going on a laugh per gag ratio.
0: Yeah. That's uh, all yeah, I'm going I mean, on. If we're going off of that then I think Bruno is one of the hardest I've laughed in a movie theater <laughs> okay uh, in in my life uh uh I I thought that movie was hilarious. I think I think as far as, like, the sort of um, hidden cam aspect goes, for me, that one hit the hardest. I just think it was so, like, he had kind of perfected uh, some of the stuff that maybe wasn't as ironed out in um, Borat. Right. Um, you know, Borat was sort of the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. But I Kind of revolutionary. I appreciate...
0: Yeah, and I appreciate this one sort of on a different level because of how heavily it relies on scripted elements and how mm-hmm. and how I think this is probably the cleanest narratively speaking.
1: Yeah, um, and I really love the relationship, the core relationship mm-hmm. in the movie, and and sort of that it actually has it's a little bit more tender as a story. Yeah, than certainly more than Bruno, and uh, more so than than the first Borat. I think this is going for emotional story storytelling a little bit more. Not that yeah. that's the core of it, but, uh, but I think it achieves that more. And then I think the idea of bringing on that other actress to kind yeah. of farm out some of these pranks is, uh, a really great way to go about it. Uh, and I, and, I thought that was a great achieved. way
0: for him to sort of evolve his legacy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, I don't know if she'll kind of become a torchbearer or whatever, but, um, you know, this could be it. And that that's kind of what I feel every time I see a Sasha Baron Cohen She movie. literally like, just signed to an agency. I also think the audience's enjoyment of a movie of this is going to be like, you know, kind of how much do you like Sasha Baron Cohen's thing? Because if well, you're not certainly, into yeah. it, uh, you know, this is sort of, I think... Like you said, this is a little more sentimental. It is a little more of a softer touch. So, you know, this might be more of an entryway, way, I guess. Um,
1: but yeah, if, if you're you not into his thing, you're if not. If you've never like thought the movie. character was funny, if you don't if you don't laugh at people making asses out of themselves, like, then this isn't for you. But I it this this kind of stuff, like I watched all of those prank shows. All of those prank shows, whether it was Punked or Scare Tactics or what was the one, Fed Up or whatever, where they where they work like oh. businesses and they have to go and see how mad they can make customers.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, Fed Up. Did you ever
1: watch uh Was that what it was Nathan- called? I don't remember. Did you ever watch Nathan for You? Uh no, but that was the one with t- dumb Starbucks, right?
0: Yeah. So yeah. uh if if you like this thing I think Nathan for you is one of the few people to kind of do something similar
1: yeah
0: uh, his whole idea is he um his whole thing is is he uh markets himself to like improve your businesses and right. um uh he
1: I think that would be right up your alley um I think oh I'm sure it would be like I mean really I even understand. love like you know, original candid camera footage and stuff like that like it's just it's like an instant laugh for me watching people not know what's going on um yeah, you
0: you definitely need to watch nathan for you i think it's one of the funniest shows i've seen in yeah. a long long time um i think it's on hulu if you want to check that out but um yeah so what are you letter grading borat subsequent movie film
1: i'm giving it a b plus okay it's not my favorite thing he's done as far as just comedy goes, I, I laughed a little less than some of his other films, but I I, I think it's a perfectly good continuation of his oomph. Yeah, I, I
0: guess if I'm grading it according to the rest of his work, I would probably put it somewhere around a B plus two. But um, if I'm just grading it as a movie, I'm going to give it an A. I think it has a a solid um, character arc. It has a, it tells a solid narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's what surprised me the most about this Borat film is, is just how, how good the story was, because usually you're sacrificing a little bit of story for, uh you know, the, the candid moments and stuff. um They're just not as tight narratively speaking as this one is. So, yeah. Um I, I think it's a solid comedy movie. There's mm-hmm. great gags. I, I think it would work without his shtick. Uh and in a lot of places it, it kind of does. Um so that's why I would say I, I give it an A. All
1: right. Uh let's move on then to the Simpsons movie. Um, and I will try and describe this. I mean, most people's probably seen this, but besides myself. But this is the Simpsons movie. This came out in 2007. And uh, this was the first uh, feature length Simpsons thing, I would suppose. And basically tells the story of the Simpsons family are exiled from uh, Springfield because Homer, after purchasing a pig from a... From a a local (laughs) fair uh, and dumping all of its waste into an already polluted lake um, or swamp or what have you. It creates a a tipping point, a a geological tipping point or ecological -ecological tipping point in which the lake becomes so toxic that they have to quarantine the whole town under a giant dome. Uh, The EPA comes and enforces this. Uh, and uh, they're chased out of the town by the, the other locals, and their relationships are put into some sort of stress based upon their distrust of Homer, whether it be Bart, who wishes he had a role model father, more like Ned Flanders, his neighbor, or Marge, who's not sure she should have married him in the first place because he never listens to her. So that's me trying to whittle down to the skeleton of a story that's happening in what's essentially just a long series of side gags. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think also, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think also the Simpsons movie was trying to whittle down 30 years of Simpsons history into yeah. like what, you know, could, someone watch this movie with little to no knowledge of simpsons and still enjoy it um you know can they somehow still broaden their audience even though everybody has had exposure to the simpsons for i think 30 right. years at that point
1: whether or not you're a fan of the simpsons you will have absorbed it somehow just by osmosis yeah, you're
0: at least familiar with something right um not to you mention you know what they look like
1: right not to mention that basically Every uh, cartoon sitcom that's come out since has pretty much owed everything to them. Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. A lot have taken the torch and moved further. Um, Right. I I actually see a lot of... Okay, so now if we're going to talk about Simpsons history a little bit, um, I think... So this movie came out around the time when Family Guy was getting its second wind, it's uh when it was returning to the air. Yeah. And and I think that was actually a pretty dark time for The Simpsons as a show. Um, because uh Family Guy definitely owed a lot to Simpsons, but Simpsons at that time, and they had different writers and stuff, um, I think were trying to sort of compete with. Uh, family guy which is much more sort of absurd and uh uh definitely less of a uh narrative with you know like character arcs changing from episode to episode depending mm-hmm. on the gag um and so when this movie came out i actually was kind of not into the simpsons because their writing style like they had changed their writing style and i think in a lot of ways it It just didn't work, Um, you know. When Simpsons first came out, it was just sort of a '90s sitcom. It just happened to be animated, Uh, right? I mean, there's some
1: absurdist stuff that they're allowed to do because it's animation. Yeah, but but it
0: still was like grounded in the core idea that it's a family. Yeah, um, and and it's it's they play a lot of the same beats as a, a family sitcom sometimes. Going so far as to parody that what that was at the time, right? Um, but you know, when Family Guy came out, when uh, uh, South Park was really prevalent, when uh, even it kind of Futurama has a very different comedic sensibility than Simpsons always did. I think it right. it was kind of hard for the Simpsons to re reinvent themselves and to keep mm. up. And I think this movie is kind of a watershed moment for simpsons in them sort of like getting their their groove back so what did you
1: think of the simpsons movie um i wasn't crazy about it to tell you the truth i thought that kind of like what you were saying it it didn't have a very strong narrative um it took a while for me to kind of get a feel for what the plot was supposed to be. It was really just it moves very very fast, and it is kind of just kind of jumping from sight gag to sight gag or from uh, uh, you know joke joke to joke. And I felt that it was you know the 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 basic story that I outlined in the beginning of them of them sort of coming to terms with what a giant failure Homer is and how he always ruins everything. And then him sort of finding redemption in that. Mm. Um, I mean, you could do about 150 different stories that include that kind of narrative. Uh, and I don't know why giant EPA dome was the way to go for that. Um, It's fine. Uh, but I think if this were a half hour episode and they went with this, you know, this story, this would be, not even be in the top 50 episodes. And I've never yeah. even been, like, a major Simpsons stan. Like, I watched it a little bit when it was big in the 90s, and everyone watched it. And it was it was always kind of there, and we sort of took it for granted at the time. And then eventually, yeah, there was that huge sort of animation explosion at the end of the 90s and into the 2000s with, like, Cartoon Network and that kind of stuff, um, and South Park and what have you. And I... I think, unfortunately, for the Simpsons, which is somehow still on te- television, yeah, thirty-two um, seasons strong or something. Right. Or something. The crazy. genre kind of developed past the the essentials of what made the Simpsons a really compelling watch. I feel like now you could watch Bob's Burgers and get essentially what you would get out of a Simpsons ep- a great Simpsons episode, but it's just a little sharper, moves a little quicker. It's just, you know what I mean. That's, I mean,
0: that's funny because I, of all the animated shows that exist now, and that you know, there's a lot, yeah, um, or that are you know meant for an older uh, audience that are comedies and stuff. I actually think uh, Bob Burgers is sort of the spiritual successor to Simpsons, even though Simpsons sure. is still on the air. Um, I the, I think it has a very similar sensibility and sort of a similar yeah.
1: core, and it has and, more heart than Family Guy.
0: Yeah, and, yeah. But it it also does some of the world building that Simpsons used to sort of do a little bit more,
1: right? And uh, I think that's my issue with this film. It's that's like, you know, given that they have more screen time, you know, mm. it's an hour and a half, ninety minutes, they don't do a lot to further advance the characters or develop them in a way that's really compelling or interesting. They don't re- like weird comparison, maybe, but go with me. Um, when a goofy movie came out, And expanded on the world of Goof Troop, the animated series. I don't think that's a weird comparison at
0: all. I think that's an awesome comparison.
1: You know, that's a a movie that took those characters, took that situation, Max and his dad and, you know, being embarrassed by your single father, blah, blah, blah. All of that stuff, advanced it and actually, you know, created a more compelling narrative that you can do in 90 minutes that you can't do in 30 or 25 with commercials. So – I just didn't see that kind of effort here. To me, they were like, okay, we got 90 minutes, let's shove in every character, let's shove in every gag, let's go, you know, let's, I felt like the movie was writing itself as it goes for a while before it, like, settles into something, and I also think, and I'm not sure about this, you can correct me, you saw this in Mm. theaters, correct? I did, yeah. Was this 3D? Did you have to put on glasses for this?
0: I can't remember. I don't think so. Like, if, I can't remember. I, I
1: actually, I, this would have been a little before that, like the 3D explosion. Yeah, or you know, one of the 3 I I don't think explosions it was, but, but it really feels like a film that is thinking about shots in 3D because there's a lot of this like computer well, generated stuff that, that that gives more depth to Springfield than we see on television show.
0: I think that is just like. We have a budget, like we have an animation budget. Yeah, so let's, so let's like, go for it. Use it and have fun. And I think that's where some of these uh story elements, like the EPA dome and stuff you're talking about, comes from. I think that's also like kind of a literally a a way to sort of involve the whole town without necessarily right. having to give all of them character arcs, but it's like, well that way, you know, we're at least gonna give some time to Uh, screen time to groundskeeper willie even if it's just him holding a pitchfork and being angry it's it is a way to include the whole town um but i mean i do agree with you and and when this movie came out especially i think it was a particularly rough patch for the simpsons because they were doing this thing where it was like every episode had uh, celebrity cameo in it, and, and oh yeah, yeah usually yeah. didn't have good gags to go along with it. And I mean, that was we, a
1: period get, of time where you weren't, you hadn't made it unless you had a Simpsons episode.
0: Yeah, but they yeah. were usually not good. No, they uh, were the, just kind of there. Yeah, and um, and I think you see that a little bit with Green Day at the beginning. <sighs> yeah, um, and which is pretty dated now. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so I, I think when I look at this movie uh i'm looking at it as uh, uh so i you know i was a long time since simpsons, simpsons stand for the first like 12 episodes or seasons or whatever um i had kind of tuned out of the show at this point but i went to see the movie just because i lo- you know love simpsons so much and so for me it was like oh okay this feels a little bit closer to an older style episode, but I do agree with you that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't hold up to a lot of their best stuff. Right. Um, It's just kind of a long episode.
1: Right. But that's mostly padded with gags. And that's the thing. It's like, I just want more story because I've never thought that the Simpsons, as far as all of these shows go, has ever been the funniest. But at its best, it can be the the most tender. It can be the most uh, uh, character oriented. It can do things like I I think the first episode I ever saw was when I was very young, very little, and rented the Christmas episode where they get the dog, Mm -hmm. and that's like you know tonally a whole different beast than this movie. Um, and I think that's the Simpsons I like, or of course, like there's the famous episode everyone always talks about that, um, that, uh, uh, Brooks wrote, um, where, uh, the, the substitute teacher and, uh, Lisa Simpson.
0: Oh, that's the one people, I thought you were going to say Conan O'Brien's monorail episode. That's like, that's (laughs) sort of the, well, there's a few moments.
1: There's a Uh, few that people always talk. That one was. That one was talked about because uh Brooks wrote it, who was a producer on the show. Yeah. And he had been well, a producer for many shows, including, you know, Mary Tyler Moore and what have you. But yeah, I don't think there's anything of that kind of emotional heft in this. Which I don't I, it doesn't I need think, to do that. I think but,
0: okay, I'm gonna disagree with you a little bit. Um I think there's some I, I think the closest anyone has to a real character arc is Homer. Yeah. Um and Uh, You know, well, and and Marge. And Marge
1: a little Um, bit. If there's a story, that's the story.
0: Because uh, this, you know, I mean, Simpsons has kind of played the failing marriage card a lot with them. Sure um, has. Because, uh, you know, Homer's a perennial fuck up and and Marge is too good for him. Um, But this is the first time that, you know, she actually left him. Uh, I guess spoilers for a fucking really old movie that doesn't really affect Simpsons canon at all. No, uh, whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so I do think there is, there are some, there is some genuine realness there. But I do, I do agree with you that I think the movie needed to zoom in on that a yeah. lot more,
1: um, or even just anything that's, you know, character oriented in humor too. Like one of my favorite and it's unfortunately it's just a sight gag but it's one of the things that i laugh the most at is when they come back into the dome after being exiled and moving to alaska they see mo has become like this savage leader because society has broken down in springfield since they've left that's a movie we just missed it doing other stuff but that was the movie
0: yeah yeah i think that's true um yeah, and and instead they just play it off as like a one-off a
1: one-off joke. gag because um, they want to fit in as many characters and as many things as possible. Even like the little dumb preteen romance between Lisa and the Irish kid, I was vastly more interested in than, you know, any of the stuff with the pig or whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, I, I I agree with you. I think um yeah, I think as a as a Movie and here's the other thing. Here's the real conundrum of the Simpsons movie. Did they need a movie?
1: Well, certainly not. I mean, I I, I think you know but the I, way. You, but I mean, the way it, you historicized it, it in the canon of like where they were at the time and feeling the pressure, blah blah blah. It probably seemed like a good like shot in the ass to yeah. to do something more ambitious than the other things we're doing. You know, I, although they, I think. You know, and the, it was a
0: success it was it yeah was it was a, a big deal a hit movie but uh mm-hmm. but i think the goofy troop analogy is is a perfect thing because like you said they advanced the the characters the, these are characters that have been uh you know kind of the same for so long at this point uh for it like 20 25 years at this point uh you know what like we you know one of the things is the the kids never get older and and uh, you know that it, it's right. sort of stuck in this weird limbo, in it maybe a movie would have been a good opportunity to let Bart age a little bit to let um or, or to to
1: actually try to change. You know, let's let's then you get into me. that you get in that scary territory where it's like the last season of Doug or Rugrats all grown up. Sure. We, I mean, it doesn't necessarily
0: <laughs> have to be them growing up, but like let's shake it up. Let's right. let's do something different, you know, because you can't really do that in the show. So if not a movie, then when? Um right. and I think that's sort of my my biggest frustration with this movie is uh they have all this budget that they use for animation and stuff, but they don't really do anything to advance the story at all. And, and I would have necessarily, I might've liked to see that a little bit more, but you know, at the end of the day, I think this is closer to the Simpsons that I grew up with and that I liked than it was on TV at the time. So, right. You know, being a fan who hadn't, Watched for a long time. I did like a lot of the, the humor and the sight gags and stuff. Um, cause I was like, oh,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with this. This is, this is comfortable right. to me. So I, yeah, there, I I'm not going to say I never laughed. I thought it was, it was sufficiently funny. Although some of the jokes don't age super well. There's like, Four or five, like kind of tone deaf gay jokes out of nowhere that I'm like, oh, that feels ten years ago, fifteen yeah, years ago. Yeah,
0: and uh, some of the stuff with the um, the the Native Alaskan, yeah. women is uh,
1: yeah. I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna like get too no, upset I, about that stuff because it is what it is. But I, but yeah, yeah I, I mean, and they've it is always there, had,
0: like the the Apu stuff, and you know, like that
1: And I'm actually not even like I don't whatever i don't want to get into the apu uh gate but um but yeah i think that you know basically i laughed enough and i it went down just fine it's not a difficult watch it's just not a very impressive one either and like i think you could watch the first two seasons on disney plus and get way more out of it than you can this one movie
0: no i i mean i definitely agree with that and um part of the reason I wanted to watch it was I've been watching. So this year for, for again, for Halloween, um, because Simpsons is on Disney plus, we went and watched every tree house of horror episode, mm-hmm. uh, because there were a lot I hadn't seen. I, I checked out about season 12, like I said, and there were a few that I was like, they just felt so painful during this time that I was like, they just felt so forced and not good. Like there's a, Harry Potter parody that I think is particularly uh dreadful <laughs> um where it's just like they you could tell they had no respect for the source material and just mm-hmm. didn't understand it and so it's just a lot of weird non-sequitur magic jokes and stuff and that was pretty much when I tuned out but then it I feel like it kind of came back around and there were some later episodes I'm like wow these are really good so Part of me wants to watch some later seasons now and, and be like, did Simpsons kind of get their groove back? Because I think it kind of has the SNL problem of like your season of of Simpsons is
1: always going to be your favorite, like the, right. the one you watched growing up. Um, I, I would imagine, I could be wrong about this, but I bet it got better when everyone stopped paying attention.
0: I, I've heard it kind of did. And based on some of the stuff, From Treehouse of Horror, I'm like, you know what? I kind of want to give this another chance, just because I I loved it so much. And I think, like SNL, um, I think it's okay to, like, sort of let go of that stuff in your heart a little bit. um, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, a lot of times you're watching it with nostalgia blinders. Um, You know, like, uh, is the 90s SNL really that much funnier than it is right now? Well, yes, because um, <laughs> right now it is particularly bad, but uh, I think it's, you know, comparable with, like, the 2000s and, right, and right, stuff right. In, in ways that people might not necessarily have been fair to.
1: No, that's fair. I um, actually, talking about the Treehouse of Terror thing, I think that might have been a, a wiser way to go with a feature-length film. So rather than trying yeah. to do one narrative or just come up with a long form episode like they did but maybe do it more like those episodes where it's done in vignettes or or like a triptych or something like that and then you can just kind of you know they, yeah, you they can get maybe, into more kind of wild stuff and out of canon stuff and stuff like that or, or parodies and and it, it's, it's more yeah. it's not as uh, consequential
0: I think that yeah maybe just doing like, you know, if it's a movie like they parody so much stuff, do you know, like there's this episode with the itchy and scratchy movie where it's like it's kind of a parody of cartoon movies like you could kind of do that, Uh right. you know, because it's animation. And if you just like but I, but I also think, you know, like they are in a weird way trying to broaden their audience like it and also introduce
1: it, it to w- a new generation.
0: Yeah, so I do yeah. I do think it strikes a weird tone, but I, I think I do think that it is a good entry point if you've never watched The Simpsons. Like you do get the basic gist of most of the characters and stuff. Right. Um
1: But let's say uh, you know. it's 2020, mm-hmm. you're sixteen years old, mm-hmm. and you your favorite thing in the world is Bob's burgers and some weird anime that i haven't heard of yet someone's oh like God. hey you've never seen the simpsons movie and they're like eh. it's like well let's pop it in do you think that 16 year old is gonna get a lot out of this at this no. point
0: no i i think i i think a better i think you know something that probably stands the test of time a little bit more might be the south park movie yeah which came uh,
1: out before this and had not as big of a legacy up to that point cuz they think they did that after their third or fourth season yeah. Now it's been on for goddamn forever. But at yeah, that time it's, it's it was kind still of, kind of a new hot deal and they went right to the movie as fast as they could and pulled it off in a big way. Um, I mean, you know, we talked about Sasha Baron Cohen, I think Matt Stone and Trey Parker are about the closest American analogs <laughs> yeah. um to what he does, especially well, now. They're
0: provocateurs, like, they're right. yeah. They're you know, they 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 are trying to keep up and be modern and and, and S- satirical, but also
1: comment. very scatological, blah, blah, blah. And I yeah. th-
0: I think that is I think that is a big when The Simpsons is trying to be current is when it's the worst.
1: When it fails. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad uh, it didn't do that. Now, we talked about like movie parodies at the top. I think it would have been like horrific if the movie had just gone from like just like, oh, this little parts from happy. Gilmore, yeah, and then this totally. little part's from this, and like, let's do a Disney gag and stuff like that. There is a Disney gag in this, which I thought was funny now that it's on Disney Plus.
0: But um, but I
1: actually I thought that was, that was one a good of gag. The, uh, better gags. Yeah. yeah, there's some decent ones in this. It's just, you know, it's kind of a throw everything in the kitchen sink kind of movie. So not everything sticks. Some stuff does. There's so many gags, you're bound to laugh at some of, some of them. But I'm giving this like a C. Plus.
0: Yeah, uh, I'd probably give it like a B minus. I think it's it's serviceable. Mm-hmm. Um, it, as far as the Simpsons legacy goes, I think it's it's more just the fact that they got a movie. Yeah. Um, than the movie itself. Well,
1: which, it, yeah at I, that point, think, what is, is that really that like hard to believe? It's not like I think it. I think it's weirder to believe. I think believe it's harder
0: that. to believe that they didn't have a movie sooner right they were big enough in the 90s to have a movie
1: like everyone Um, had a bart simpson t-shirt in in the 90s
0: and it even got to the point where they made jokes about that in the show (laughs) (laughs) uh you know so like i i think yeah i but i but it is still like a uh testament to something that it you know especially a tv show to to uh crossover to movie that is a little rare you know there's there's you know um it it seems to actually happen more with animation um but you know like serenity got their movie ending and stuff and it, right, it's right. something that gets thrown around a lot to be like let us close out our series with a movie or whatever but you know it not a lot of tv shows get it so i think i think there's a little bit of a uh uh legacy there but uh yeah. but Again, I think it is more of a like we got a movie versus what they did with the movie, which is a little bit of a problem. But I do think it's serviceable enough and inoffensive enough and and funny enough um, that, like you said, it's palatable. It's it's a decent watch, but it's nothing to write home about. Like I had completely forgotten the story of it. um, Yeah. Where there's episodes that are forever burnt into my brain. So, right. Yeah. I guess take that for what it is.
1: All right. Well, on the next episode, uh, we are going to be, I'm, I teased it at the beginning of the show, we're going we're to be going into Noir November, at least for this uh, next uh, streaming homework. And I'm going to have us watch the Coen Brothers' first film, Blood Simple, which you have never seen. I've seen it. You have not. Yes, I am
0: um, very excited to see it. It's uh, currently streaming on HBO Max.
1: Yes, is it Max or Go or now? (laughs) Uh, It's HBO Max.
0: There's so there's HBO, Uh uh, which is the app that if you have like a cable subscription service or whatever that you already have access to that HBO. Right. If you pay for it on cable, if you don't, you can get HBO Max, which is all encompassing of. Uh, HBO and a bunch of uh, Time Warner's other content. So they have like Warner Brothers movies. They have a lot of access to Cartoon Network stuff. I I think it's actually as far as content wise, one of the better streaming apps.
1: Right, God. catalog titles that are on that jump on and off and whatever. So yeah, we'll be watching uh, Blood Simple. I have the Criterion Blu-ray, but you can also purchase for 50% off right now from barnesandnoble.com. Um, so that's how I'll be watching it. But uh, yeah, if anybody has anything to say about any of the things we talked about on this episode or past, go ahead and email us at mcguffinpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us and talk to us on our social media platforms, uh, Twitter and Instagram at mcguffinpod. And we still have a Facebook page. You can go to that if you choose so. Uh, Facebook.com slash MacGuffinPod. You can follow me individually on Twitter and Instagram at VC Cassidy. Um, And be sure to give us a one or a a, uh, one sentence review and a star rating on Five uh, stars. You almost said one. I know. Five star rating and a one sentence review on uh, iTunes or Stitcher Radio, Player.fm, all the places that we are downloadable. Uh, And uh, what's your stuff, Keith? Uh,
0: You can follow me on Twitter at Keith Foster Kid, even though it is going to destroy democracy. Um, I'm off Facebook. Get the fuck off Facebook. uh, Because that's really going to fuck up democracy. (laughs) What was I saying? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Keith Foster Kid. You can also follow me on Instagram at Keith Foster Kid. I also have um, an art account where I do... um, Like, comic book style and fan art. Uh, And you can follow me at Sticky Note Aesthetic.
1: Yes. And I believe that is the episode. My wife.